after 1966 when the film was released, it was taken out of circulation for a very long time by Andy Warhol, so no one could see any of these films, uh, unless there were some kind of special circumstances. And in the early 80s, I was living in Minnesota, and someone at the Walker Arts Center contacted Andine, who's one of the stars of Chelsea Girl. And Andine kind of was making a living, such as it was, by touring with his own 16mm print. So an institution would call Andine and say, can we show Chelsea Girls? And, and Andine was part of the package. He'd bring his own print. And so it was kind of great. And so I saw it the first time twice in uh in Minneapolis, and I met Andine, and I got hung out with him, because I really had no idea who he was, again, because he was known almost entirely through these Warhol films, and for a long time, uh, they were just not to be seen. And um, actually, most of the films uh, that Warhol made still have not been seen. They're all original 60-millimeter film, and most of it has not been transferred to digital, so there's a huge amount of Warhol stuff that's going to be coming out gradually over the next probably 10 years. The film was not available for so long that it just became all the more kind of legendary and you just, people had no idea what it was really about and there were all kinds of rumors that it was really filthy. It played successfully in New York, first downtown in a kind of art house, and it was the first experimental film to move uptown, which was kind of phenomenal at the time. Uh, and, it was, and by its own standards, it was a very big box office success. And it then opened in Chicago, a couple other places, it was actually literally banned in Boston, which the Warhol people were thrilled about. You can't buy that kind of publicity. People had never seen anything like it, partly because uh, it's not simply one screen. It's actually two screens at the same time next to each other, and they're not synchronized. And basically, in some ways, it's interesting because the screening of it involves the projectionist as an active participant. The way it starts is you walk in, you'll see an image on the right-hand side of the screen, nothing on the left. And so you're watching whatever is on, happening on, on the right. Somewhere during that reel, the uh, image on the left goes up. And so the projectionist then lowers the sound on the right and raises it on the left. And so it goes the, goes the way through 12 reels. And at some point, the reel on the right runs out before... Also, the reel, each one is a 33-minute shot. There's no cuts. But what happens is when, say, the, the first reel is done you see a blank screen, and the projectionist then takes his or her time to put a third reel up on the right and run that. And then when he starts that, he turns the sound up and he turns the sound down on the left-hand side. And it goes the way A and B, A and B, A and B, through 12 reels. And that's why it's three and a half hours long. It's 12 33-minute reels together. It's funny that uh, there's always been an Italian bootleg DVD of Chelsea Girls, but it's one image, so you're not seeing the double image. You know, it's a different film. There's also a British DVD that's kind of the same principle. It has zero to do with what Chelsea Girls actually is, which is a kind of um, beautifully photographed and just um, astonishingly riveting and boring at the same time. The one thing people don't know, again, because we haven't really seen all that many of his films, is uh, the color films are just gorgeous. I mean, they're knock you off your feet. They're so, so cool. Most people have only seen the kind of earlier black and whites like Sleep, Empire, all those. But color is just, uh, it's uh, stupendous. It's really kind of so great. And Chelsea Girls, it's some color, some black and white. But the color is just fantastic. Close-ups of Nico the singer crying uh, with projected colors on her face. It's, it's kind of psychedelic, which is what they wanted. Um, at the same time as this was being made, uh, Warhol and his, his cohort were also involved um, with the Velvet Underground, as was Nico. Uh, you see Nico in the first reel and the last reel, 
and uh, her first album was in 67 called Chelsea Girls. And uh, she was, um, for a while, the Velvet's vocalist. And you hear a tiny bit of the Velvet's in the last reel. The single was shocking, part of Chelsea Girls, because people always think it's going to be sex. And, you know, I've, I've been working on this Warhol film project, so I've seen an awful lot of the films that aren't really available. And uh, the kind of um, reputation for them being um, sexually graphic is massively overstated. It's simply not there. But what is there, really a lot, uh, is um, drugs shooting up. And uh, and the, the Chelsea Girls, one of the reels, starring Bridget Polk, who was really kind of, she's still alive, actually. She was part of the really inner circle. And she was a meth addict, a lot of meth addicts. And you see her shooting up really kind of explicitly and that was shocking to me I'd never seen that Andina also who appears in um, two of the Chelsea Girls reels was um, a total meth head and um, the second to the last reel or third to the last reel was when Andine kind of um, freaks out he kind of breaks character and has a kind of uh, meth induced fit and that was the kind of most controversial part of the film everyone's talked about and he was great. I mean, he was, he was really fun. And it was the Walker Art Center. They were showing it two nights. And so um, I, I watched the whole thing the first night. And then the second night, Dean was still around, and he didn't want to stick around. So I took him to a bar, and he just drank wild turkey and talked. And I really had no idea who he was until then. But he was, he was fantastic. And he really is, I think, one of the most brilliant people in the kind of world superstar cohort. Edie Sedgwick, who's the most well-known, was actually originally in Chelsea Girls, and they they dropped her story um, early on at her request because she was trying to do some deal with Albert Grossman to get involving Bob Dylan or something or other, so she didn't want to appear, so they dropped her reel. For the first couple of screenings, um, they fiddled with reels, so it was not sort of um, written in stone at any point. It is now. There's a standard 12-reel sequence, but at the beginning, they were really just playing around and contrary to some belief, it was not, even most of it was not shot in the Chelsea Hotel. Some of it was, but most of it was shot in the factory. One of the other programs in the series consists of two films. One's called Afternoon, and the other's called The Closet. And each of those had been in the original, the very first cut of Chelsea Girls, and they were later dropped for various reasons. And the other double feature in the program that consists of the John and the Pope on Dean story Again, they're both kind of reworkings of something that appears in the Chelsea Girls. The John is kind of a longer version of the real and Chelsea Girls of uh, Ed Hood and Patrick Fleming, kind of ridiculing Mario Montez when he comes in their bedroom to sing. And there's more of Andine in uh, something called the Pope Andine story. It's a feature film that, again, hasn't been seen in, in 50 or 60 years. So it's an exciting program, and yeah. it's great to see all this stuff on the big screen. Um, not on film, unfortunately, but the uh, next best thing. Um, there's some people who say it's every bit equal to his achievement as, as a painter and a visual artist. And I think if I had a bet, I would, I would uh, contend that as well. <laughs>